You're listening to Mysteries Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries both past and present. I'm your host, Rochelle. Today, we will discuss the murderer next door. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Mysteries Still Unsolved. I am so excited to be back here with all of you today. Um, so I was actually considering not doing a podcast episode this week um, simply because I am currently on a girl's retreat, um, but I hate leaving you guys hanging, so I was like, I can't do that to my people. They're my people. They're my fans. Um, so... I decided to do a mini-sode, and I also decided to do that because I don't have Brian here with me this weekend, Um, so I'm going to be editing this podcast by myself, which I'm probably not going to be very good at, so I needed to do something that was just going to be wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, very quick. (laughs) Um, So if you, by any chance, did not see the Instagram Live this past Tuesday, and if you're not following me on Instagram, you totally should be. It's, um, you can find me on Instagram at mysteries still unsolved. We had a live on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and you can actually go and watch it because I did save it. Um, But if you didn't hear it, I told everyone a really bizarre story that happened to me this past summer. And many, many of you guys had questions and you wanted me to delve deeper into what exactly happened this past summer to me. So without further ado, that is what the mini-sode is going to be about today. Just diving in a little bit deeper. And then also for those of you who didn't hear it the first time, you guys are going to get to hear what everybody is freaking out about on Instagram. So Before we do that, though, I just want to make sure that I do some housekeeping. So if you're not following me on Instagram, you totally should be. It's at Mystery Still Unsolved. I also have a website. It's www.mysterystillunsolved.com. We did have a winner for our giveaway that I hosted the other day, and it was Christy.Lou.88. So thank you so much for participating. If you didn't win, don't fret. I My birthday is actually next month. And so I already have another giveaway in the works. So don't let it get you down. You'll have another chance to win a giveaway very, very soon. All right. So I think that that's all the housekeeping for now. So we can totally get started on what happened to me this past summer. As many of you know, I spent about six weeks in upstate New York visiting my hometown um, with my parents who currently still live there. Uh, We got there probably sometime at the beginning of June. Um, We actually got there on June 3rd, I believe. Um, And the following morning, we went to a fundraiser for, it was about gun violence. So um, there's a lot of gun violence in my hometown, a lot of unnecessary deaths um, due to gang-related activity. Um, So my mom and I decided to attend a fundraiser slash memorial for a boy that my mom knew his mom. 
And she was kind of doing this gun violence awareness. And it was a really incredible event. There were so many people there. There was such a feeling of just unity there that I really enjoyed. Um, But later on that day, we found out that somebody had been shot earlier that day due to unnecessary gang-related gun violence. And my mom and I remarked, you know, how sad is it that we just attended a fundraiser and a memorial for someone whose life was cut short due to gun violence. And here we are again, there's another crime of gun violence and, and that man had actually lost his life as well. So fast forward, maybe like a day and there was this black van that was parked in front of my mom and dad's house. And it had been parked in front of my mom and dad's house for a really long time, probably like six or seven hours. So I went to my mom and I said, you know, whose black van is this? Is this like one of your neighbor's black van? And why are they parking it in front of your house when they could just park it in, you know, their driveway or in front of their house? And my mom said, I don't really know whose black van that is. But whatever. It was only like six to seven hours. So I was like, oh, well, maybe somebody's just visiting somebody. Whatever. Going on into the night, the black van was parked there the entire night. And it is summer vacation. So I was like, maybe somebody just has a visitor. So I tried to just kind of, you know, not think about it too much. But when I woke up the next morning and my mom and I took their little puppy out to go to the bathroom, the black van was still there. Uh, But then when we went in and we had breakfast, the black van left. And it was a bummer because I hadn't had gotten a chance to see the person come back to the van and, and, you know, leave and see where that person had been coming from. Uh, So we just continued on with our day. We had a lot of fun. We probably got ice cream or something like that um, because the ice cream in Syracuse, New York is super, super yummy. But when we got back later that night the van was there again. And I was just like, okay, this is a little strange. Um, and I, I just didn't really know what to think, but I was just like, if my mom is cool with it, I mean, this is her house. So whatever. Next morning, my mom and my daughter went outside to play in the front yard and the van was gone. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness that van is gone. It was giving me the heebie-jeebies. But just as I thought that I saw the black van come down the street. And instead of parking in its usual spot right in front of my mom's house, uh, they actually, my mom and daughter had taken the dog for a walk and were kind of going up the street and the van slowed down and then stopped right where my mom and dad, right where my mom and daughter and the dog were walking. So my mom's spidey senses were also tingling. So she just was like, oh crap, I forgot something at the house. So they, you know, beelined it back into the house. And she was like, how weird is that? Like, why would they slow down and stop where a six-year-old little girl is playing? Like, that just seems a little bit strange. So that's when I finally was like, you know what? I don't think that I am being oversensitive and hypervigilant about this black van, like this black van, I'm getting the heebie-jeebies for a reason and I need to stick to my gut. So the black van left, wasn't there anymore. So I was like, okay, cool. It's gone. It makes me feel a lot better when that black van is not here. And the black van windows were 
very, very tinted. Like even the front window, like the windshield was tinted. So you really could not see who was in it, which just made it even more ominous and creepy. All right. So later that night, it was probably like 10 or 11 at night, the van came back. And one thing that I noticed is that whenever the van came, it always just parked and nobody ever came out of the van and nobody ever got into the van. And that was something that was really suspicious to me because I was like, okay, so they're not even visiting anyone. They are literally just parking in front of my parents' house for hours. And I'm talking about hours, like sometimes eight, nine, 10 hours. Very, very weird. So the van was there at 11 o'clock at night. My husband and I watched a movie. I decided to take a shower because it's really hard for me to get into my bed when I feel dirty. So, and it's also, you get so sweaty in upstate New York. (laughs) It's so humid there. So I was like, oh, I'm going to take a shower. It'll help to kind of relax me a little bit and then I'll go to bed. So after I took a shower, I went into the kitchen to get a drink of water. And I just was like, Hey, it was, it's becoming one of my things that I would like, just look outside the window and see if they're there or see if they're not there. And the van was there, but this time there was a figure walking towards the van. And I was like, Oh, this is great. I can finally figure out like where they're coming from. And it seems like they're leaving. So it was a man. I couldn't really make out any of his figures because it was so dark. Um, but the, the man got to the van and I was like, okay, cool. He's going to be leaving. But I was wrong. He took out his keys and pushed the button to unlock the door. And he did it probably like seven or eight times. So I heard like so many times he unlocked the door. Then he didn't get inside the door. Instead, two people came out of the back of the van and two people came out of the trunk they closed the doors and they walked to the right into the distance, not going to any houses. Cause my mom and dad live on like the corner of their street. Like there's one house and then their house and then that's the corner. So they just literally just walked out into the distance to nowhere. And then I was like, what the heck? That means that there's been like five people in this van and two of them are in the trunk. Like it's a van and there's only two people in the back seat. They should be able to fit everybody in there. Like, why is anybody in the trunk? That's really, really bizarre. So I remember running over to my mom and letting my mom know. And she and my dad both, well, actually just, she agreed that it was weird. My dad was just like, Oh, they're really nice. They've never bothered us before. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, whatever. The next day was Sunday and Sunday's kind of like a family day for us. So we went to church and then we came home and we took the puppy. The puppy has to go to the bathroom so many times. So a lot of these stories are, are going to be of me being outside with the puppy because the puppy has to go to the bathroom like every two to three hours. So we took the puppy outside and there was like a gathering next door in the house next door to my parents. And it was a bunch of guys and they were, you know, just kind of having fun, talking loudly, laughing, whatever. Um, at some point they turned their music on really loud and my son loves music. So as soon as they turned the music on, he beelined it straight for their fence because he wanted to, you know, be part of the party. So I walked over to the party just to get my son back. And as I was walking over, 
some of the guys were laughing and smiling at me as I came over, but there was this one guy who looked at me as if, I don't know if he wanted, this is the thing. I don't know if he gave me a look like he was concerned about me coming over. Like maybe he thought that I was going to be like a Karen and be like, um, excuse me, boys, you need to turn your music down. It kind of, it could have been like that look, like that look of like, oh man, here we go. It could have been like a look like that. Or to me, I immediately got very uncomfortable because I felt like this guy, I mean, obviously I could tell he didn't want me to be there, but it was almost like a look like, I don't want you to be here. And I have so much hatred towards you in this moment. And I tried to like break the ice and I I saw that he was looking at me that way. And I wanted to let him know that like, I'm not coming over here to tell you that you're playing your music too loud. And I'm not coming over here to to tell you like, if you guys don't turn the music down, I'm going to call the police for a noise disturbance or whatever. So I just came over and I grabbed my son's hand and I was like, Hey, he really likes your music. I think he wants to join your party. And a lot of the guys laughed, but this particular man stone faced, he did not smile. His attitude towards me did not change even when I was trying to make jokes with him. And I walked back into the house and when, you know, the music stopped and I was just like, ah, I feel bad. I feel like they can't have a fun time because they think that it's going to bother me. And like, it's Sunday and it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. Like, why couldn't they play their music loud? They can do whatever they want. Um, so I did feel a little bit bad about that. Um, but just, you know, as the, the summer progressed, Every day that van was in there and every day nobody came in and nobody came out of the van. Not that I saw anyways. And it got really, really uncomfortable because sometimes my husband would leave to do some work or go to the gym or go get groceries or something. And I would just be home alone with my two children because my mom and dad were at work. And this black van would be parked in front of the house. And I just felt like it was so sketchy and it made me feel really uncomfortable Um, and sometimes I would even have to take the dog out by myself without any other adults in the house. And I would get really, really nervous because I just thought that the van was so sus. But then at the same time, I felt like, am I overreacting? Am I being rude? Like, I don't know. I just, it was, it was like a conflicted feeling. It's like my gut was trying to tell me one thing and my head was telling me that I was, you know, just having unnecessary anxiety. Um, so it was, it was difficult. I remember calling my mom once and she had a friend whose husband was like on the police force or something. And she was like, you know, if, if something's making you feel uncomfortable, if something's suspicious to you, like the police need to know about that and you can call them and let them know like, Hey, there's a suspicious vehicle parked in front of my house and I'm really worried about it. And I said, I mean, I would totally do that except for if this van has been here before I got here and my parents just didn't notice, then like they're going to know who called in this anonymous tip because they're going to be like, okay, well, we've always parked here and now all of a sudden like this lady's kids are here visiting and all of a sudden we're getting the cops called on us. So it just made me feel really uncomfortable because I was like, they're going to know that it was me. And the lady was even like, well, when you call the police, just let them know that that's a concern that you have, that you don't want to, you know, cause any drama or attract attention to yourself. So maybe that they could do it like in a 
non-suspicious way. And then I just like, I, I did really consider it. But at the same time, I was like, whoever is in the van, other than being a little bit creepy, they literally haven't done anything to me. So I don't even know what the police could do at this point. Like they haven't talked to me. They haven't approached me. They haven't said anything menacing or threatening. Like they just sit in their car. And then I also had a thought, you know, my grandma came over to visit and I was talking to her about the van and she gave me an idea. And she's like, you know, we had somebody doing that in front of our other son's house. And it turned out that it was just like a homeless family that was just trying to find like a nice, safe place to rest. And, you know, they, they just been like living out of their van. And, and, and that sat deeply with me because I was like, if that's true, if it really is a family of people, cause I couldn't tell obviously, cause the windows were so tinted. I was like, I don't want to be the one that forces them out of this nice neighborhood when they're just trying to like keep their kids safe. You know what I mean? So I was conflicted. So I was like, you know what? They haven't done anything mean to me. They haven't threatened me. I haven't seen them like prowling. So like, I'm not going to call the police because they're not doing anything wrong other than just making me feel uncomfortable. But that could just be me, right? So I didn't do anything. So again, this continued to happen the entire summer. Um, I would come home and I'd be like, oh, look, that van is here again. Shocker. We went on a couple of vacations in between, in, within our vacation. Um, and there was this one last vacation that we took. It was the 4th of July weekend. And when we came back, my mom had already planned an activity to do with their neighbor across the street because the neighbor across the street, she makes like these really cute terrariums and like fairy gardens. And my daughter was really interested in it. So they had already like kind of scheduled an appointment like, hey, when you get back from your trip, why don't you come over and I will teach Rylan how to make one of these little fairy gardens. So we came home, she saw us drive in and she was like, hey, whenever you guys are ready, um, I got, I have all the stuff out. So just come on over. So my mom and my daughter went over there to do that. And they were gone for about an hour or so. And I had noticed uh, when we arrived home that the black van was not there. Um, so my mom came home and she said, I have some sad news and I have some crazy news. And I was like, all right, let's hear it. She said, when I was over there talking to the neighbors, her husband came home and her husband was like, oh my gosh, did you hear the news? And my mom was like, no. And she's, and he said, well, while you were gone, I found out that one of their neighbors had been diagnosed with cancer. And my mom was like, oh, that sucks. Like, that's terrible. What kind of cancer? Blah, blah, blah. And the guy didn't know. So uh, he didn't really have too much information there. But he was like, but the reason I don't have too much information about that is because there's another thing that I need to tell you. And my mom said, okay, what? And she, he said, do you remember that shooting that occurred at the beginning of June? And my mom was like, yes, it was the shooting where a guy died, right? And he was like, yeah. And he's like, um, the guy who has cancer his son had apparently been in prison for 10 years uh, for manslaughter. He was released and was living back with his dad. And it turns out that he's the one that killed the man earlier this June.
yeah, I just wanted to let that settle in by giving you a couple of moments to process what I'm just saying. So literally what I'm telling you is that I was literally, because my bedroom that I was staying in the guest room is like less than 20 feet from their patio where that guy hung out every single day. He was always outside listening to the radio, smoking a cigarette, just hanging out with his friends. So my bedroom was literally, and my kid's bedroom was literally less than 20 feet from a murderer the entire summer. And I didn't know what the guy looked like um, because he always had his back turned to the window, but I am pretty sure that he is the man that was giving me that super odd look that one day when I came over to just get my son back. It was so surreal. So when my brother came home, because my brother had not gone on the vacation because he was getting ready for a new job opportunity that was starting that Monday. Um, and he kind of just like wanted to take an easy weekend before his job began. When he came home, we were like, Hey, did you notice anything weird happen over the weekend? And my brother was like, why? And we were like, well, because the guy across the street told us that the guy, the son living next door is actually the one who killed somebody earlier this month. And on the 5th of July, he called the police and turned himself in and the police came to pick him up. And my brother said, oh my gosh, no way. That's why there was so much yelling the other day. And we were like, oh my gosh, what, what, what? Tell us everything. So my brother said that he had been awoken maybe at like 10 or 11 a.m. to yelling happening outside of his bedroom window. And he said that he kind of was like in a daze, but he distinctly remembers somebody saying, yelling, I did what I had to do. I did what I had to do. And then he didn't hear anything anymore. So he didn't even check it out. But he was like, I guarantee you that that was the man yelling. I did what I had to do as police officers were arresting him and taking him into the squad car. So super crazy. And then we were like, okay, so we had a murderer living next door. Uh, what does that have to do with the black van? Like, are they connected? They have to be connected, right? So we thought about it a little bit before my brother came home. We had been doing some brainstorming and we're like, well, maybe... I mean, he did turn himself in. So maybe he was like, hey, I killed somebody. I'm going to go to jail. They're not going to be easy on me because I've already been to jail for manslaughter. So maybe I will just live out the rest of this month and have a lot of fun, hang out with my friends, you know, do some drinking, do some smoking, do all the things that I'm not going to be able to do anymore when I'm in prison. So we thought... Maybe these were his friends that were coming to see him. But then I was like, these couldn't have been his friends coming to see him, though, because they never came in and nobody ever got out of the van. I mean, the only time that I ever saw anybody come out was that one time when two guys came out of the trunk and two guys came out of the backseat. That was the only time I ever saw anybody come in or out of the van. And so I was like, okay, that can't be it. So then when my brother came home, we were like, what about the black van? What do you th- what do you make of that? And Anthony, my brother, was like, I bet you a surveillance. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I guarantee you that the guy next door 
was either belonging to a gang or had friends that were in a gang and they were probably surveilling his home to basically offer protection in case like somebody came to the house to retaliate like perhaps somebody would find out who killed that man and then they would come to his home to seek revenge and I was like oh my gosh that makes so much sense and that black van is not here anymore ever since that guy got arrested so literally I had a murderer to my right like less than 20 feet and then I had like a van full of men probably involved in some shady stuff like less than 20 feet in front of me for like the entire summer and I mean I guess it just goes to show you that when your gut is trying to tell you something you need to listen now A lot of people on Instagram have been sending me questions. Would I have done anything differently? And I've thought about it for quite some time. And I've got to say, I don't really think I would have done anything differently. Because the thing is, is that when they were there, I didn't know that they were watching a murder. Like, I didn't know the situation. Like, all I knew was that there was a van parked in front of my parents' house. And again, like, they never did anything to me. They never spoke to me. They never said anything rude to me. They never made me feel threatened. They never made any menacing comments. I never saw them, like, walking around people's houses acting suspiciously. Like, honestly, like, what? I don't think I would have been able. I mean, I guess I could have called the police, but they would have been like, okay, so there's a van in front of your parents' house. And what? Like, they literally never did anything to me. And while they were suspicious, they never made me feel like I was in harm's way. So I feel like if I had called the police, it would have just made matters worse, especially since they weren't doing anything to me. And I really don't think that they would have done anything to me because if they were really surveilling for their friend who had killed someone, the last thing that they wanted to do was draw unnecessary attention to themselves. So I really don't think that they would have done anything. But yeah, I mean, I I don't think I would have done anything differently. I mean, if they had come out of the car and made me feel uncomfortable or said something like really rude to me or threatening or menacing, then like, yeah, sure, I would have called the police. But they didn't do that. So there was nothing for me to call the police for other than there's a van outside and it's scaring me. (laughs) You know what I mean? So yeah, it's really, really crazy. Um, I mean, I work and research true crime a lot. I'm constantly reading the cases and, and there have been times when I've been reading cases and I'm just like, these people were living next door to a murderer or these people were living next door to an arsonist or a rapist and they had no idea, like, how can that possibly be? And now I can honestly say that I get it. I get it. Especially the case of um, Casey Anthony and the man who had, you know, or not Casey Anthony. Who am I thinking of? Oh my goodness. Hold on. Let me look it up. 
who am I thinking about? It's the girls that lived in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, oh, uh, Alicia Berry. Is that her name? I think so. Hold on. Alicia Berry. No, it's not Alicia, but I do think it's something. Ber Amanda Berry. Is that it? Amanda Berry. Yes. Okay. So Amanda Berry and two other girls were kidnapped and they were like living in a house for years and like their neighbor never knew. And it's like, how do they not know? You know what I mean? Like, how do they not know about the monster that was living next door? And I can totally get it now because I was living next door to a murderer for basically a month and I had no idea. I had no idea. So that's my very interesting story from this past year. Um, I know I'm not really giving you guys very much details, but, um, you know, the justice system has not taken its course fully yet. And so I don't feel comfortable, you know, dropping names and locations and, and very specific details because I feel like justice needs to take its course. But if it ever does, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to share with you um, the name of the names and everything, but I want to make sure that the justice system is able to carry its course out because my parents still live in the area. So I want to keep their safety, um, number one priority. So, uh, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Um, for my little mini sode, I hope that you guys found it really interesting because I certainly found it very interesting. <laughs> like this is a very interesting information for me. I'd never gone through anything like that before. So, um, thank you guys so much for being here and for supporting the podcast. I really appreciate all of you guys are the best. I really do not know how I got so lucky to have such supportive, amazing and respectful listeners. Um, if you want to know how you can support the podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at mystery still unsolved. You can visit our website at www.mysterystillunsolved.com. You can share the podcast or share an episode on your social media, or you can tell a friend or family member who loves true crime about me. And the best way to support me and this podcast would be to join me next week when together we'll discover did someone ever place a useful tip? Has justice prevailed? Or is the mystery still unsolved? <laughs>